another episode of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I am Jared, and I am here with the scourge of Iron Forge and games industry public defender, Nick Zelenkevich. Yeah, we'll see what I'm defending by the end of this. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Surprise! <laughs> a lot of little things. Not, actually, no, we got a couple of big topics. I think talk about yeah, a, a few. Yeah, so a little, a little early. Usually, it's like February by the time you know the big stuff comes rolling back around. So, uh, but let's just get into it so we can <laughs> get started, and not waste any time. Uh, so we're gonna start with the news bites. Uh, first things first, let's talk a little bit about Hotline Miami Two. If you've been uh, paying attention to the news, you would have heard that Hotline Miami Two basically got it got banned in Australia. Uh, the ratings board is refusing to rate it <laughs> because. Uh, well, if you played Hotline Miami, you can understand why they would. Because, uh, well, first of all, if you if you have been following uh, news about the the games industry in Australia and getting games rated there and things like that, you know Australia is pretty strict when it comes to violence and the themes of games. Uh, so, you know, the fact that I, I actually I don't even know if Hotline Miami went to Australia. I, I should have actually looked that up now that I think about it. Uh, but you know. The violence in Hotline Miami was probably enough to, to uh, get that game either a very uh, a very uh, restrictive rating or not rated at all, banned like Hotline Miami 2. And Hotline Miami 2 is actually uh, violence and a couple of other themes. Like I, th- I think it's like a um, like a like a like a rape scene, or they uh, they hint at a rape scene or something like that. Which uh, I guess the ratings board really didn't like that. Well, it's probably what like the I guess eight. Well, I guess they're more like sixteen-bit images. But I mean, it's not like it's 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 graphically depicted. It's probably just the top down, and you see the kind of you know pixelated characters probably engaging in some kind of activity. And it's not. It, I, I get the feeling that's what it was like. It like you're watching a rape scene, but it's not like you're. It, it's it's clearly depicted as rape because it's just the you know because you get the the angle of like the shoulders and the head from above so it's not really i don't know so it doesn't it's, it, you know you know it's rape but it doesn't look like rape right what well, is the actual statement from uh the ratings board uh the computer game is classified rc in accordance uh with the national classification code computer ga- uh, computer games table a i guess this is this is uh what the code says as computer games that depict, express, or otherwise deal in matters of sex, drug misuse, or addiction crime, cruelty, violence, or revolting, or abhorrent phenomena in such a way that they offend against standards of morality, decency, and propriety, generally accepted by reasonable adults to the extent that they should not be classified. I guess that's what the, uh, that was their original statement. And... Yeah, you, even if you even if you take the rape out, Hotline Miami Two is still not getting rated down there. <laughs> yeah, they, there was actually an updated statement here. Because in the sequence of gameplay footage uh, titled "Midnight Animal," the protagonist character bursts into what appears to be a movie set and explicitly kills four people, who collapse to the floor in a pool of copious blood. That's and off, often accompanied by blood splatter, which pretty much the same as Hotline Miami. Uh, after stomping on the head of a fifth male character, he strikes a female character wearing red underwear. She is knocked to the floor and is viewed laying face down in a pool of copious blood. The male character is viewed with his pants halfway down, partially exposing his buttocks. And six, this is all pixelated, by the way, folks. 
He is viewed pinning the female down by the arms or laying on top of her, thrustingly, implicitly raping her, either rear entry or anally. <laughs> is there a difference? Did I just learn something new today? <laughs> I don't know, I learned, either you learned something new or the person writing that article did. Yeah, like, I always thought rear entry meant anal. I, th- I think it could just mean that the, 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 angle, of, uh, the angle of incident. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue here. Uh, implicitly raping her, either rear entry or anally, while her legs are viewed kicking as she struggles beneath him. The visual depiction of implied sexual violence is emphasized by it being mid-screen with a red backdrop pulsating and the remainder of the screen being surrounded by black. So it looks like, yeah, they really didn't like that. I actually thought they got rid of that because there was an article, like, I think, like, early last year uh, where a female, uh, I guess the fem- a female previewer or a game journalist, she previewed the game and said she was having a great time until there was a rape scene. And I thought I thought that article specifically was funny because she was cool popping heads off and bashing people's heads in and stomping on people's heads. Yes. She was cool until somebody got raped. Yeah. It's all fun and games until somebody rapes an eye out. Yeah, you know, kill people, no problem. Bash their skulls in, shoot their face, gouge out their eyeballs, all the different things you could do to people in Hotline Miami. And there's but, a lot. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot, yeah. And, um, but you know, we gotta draw the line at rape. So, um, I, I was gonna say something else, but it might be viewed as a joke, so I'm just gonna leave it alone. I'm just, I'm just gonna leave it alone. It, it wasn't a joke, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so Hotline Miami 2 is not being read, is not being classified in uh, Australia. And as a result, uh, the creator of Hotline Miami 2, he, I'm not going to say he's instructed uh, Australians, but he told Australians that they want to just pirate it. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Usually you don't hear developers, it's, it's rare to hear developers go uh you know give the okay to pirate that game but i guess he figures if it's not going to be uh if it's not going to be rated anyway or it's going to be refused classification so he can't sell it there what's the point yeah and they're not go. they're not reapplying for reclassification because again what's the point like their game is their 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 game is never going to be legally allowed in australia um so wh- why bother trying to you know adjust it into some package that'll work for that so yeah yeah, seriously. So there you go. If you live in Australia and you want Hot Miami 2, just pirate it. Word on the street is the Pirate Bay will be back soon. So that's 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 what I'm hearing. So there you go. All right, but moving on to our next topic, Xbox One price drops to 350 in the U.S. starting Friday. I think Microsoft. This is this is Microsoft admitting a bit of defeat here. Because, what? Huh? No. I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. No, this is the this is them this is them an- announcing their success that they, they it did so well at the 350 price point, you know, dominating uh, Sony throughout the holiday season that they're going to continue it. I don't think I don't see it as that because the thing is like they are well first of all when they dropped down the 400 bucks they were losing money on oh, each yeah. Xbox one. Uh now they're losing $50 more. Neither Sony nor Microsoft wanted to lose 
money on these consoles. That was like a clear-cut goal for them. It's one of the whole. It's one of the reasons why the consoles are as limited as they are right now. Yes. Because they wanted to get it into a price range where they can make money off of each console. Yes. Sony is making seventy-five dollars off of each PS4 sold, and Sony at the five. Uh, sorry, and the Microsoft at the five hundred dollar price point was making twenty-five bucks. I believe <laughs> they were making twenty five dollars. If, if uh, only they had left it at five hundred dollars and just removed the connect, that would have been like a hundred and twenty five dollars. Yeah. So um, yeah, now and with the Xbox One going to four hundred bucks, they were they weren't losing as much on it as they were on the three sixties in the beginning, but they are still losing. They were still losing money at four hundred bucks, and you know now it's going to be three fifty permanently. They didn't want to do this. They wanted, they wanted to, because perception is key, too. You know what I'm saying? The yes. PS4 is $400. The Xbox 60, oh, sorry, the Xbox One is 350 That means, that, that, I shouldn't say that means, but, you know, that looks like there's less value in the Xbox One. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, more economic. But I don't know if it's less value. I don't think anybody, well, I mean... I don't think anybody's looking at the consoles right now and saying like, "Oh, the Xbox One is cheaper, therefore it's inferior." I think, I think most people are lo- looking at it. At least anybody looking to buy one, I think, you know, is just going to go for the Xbox because it's cheaper. I, I mean, clearly, you know, you're right. Microsoft is sort of conceding that they've lost the initial, you know, the initial market share, and that that Sony's been beating them in that regard. And this is just yeah. a tactic where, okay, you know, now at this point, you know, instead of $25 on each console, whatever loss that they're making is an acceptable loss to make up market share. Um, but they wouldn't have done this if it hadn't sold so well at that price point throughout the holiday season. So I don't think they're doing this. I mean, I, I, to a degree, they're doing this reluctantly, but I don't think they're doing it as reluctantly as you, as, as we might think. I think they, they, this was, you don't go to $350 and then not be ready to stay there if you have to. Um, so I, I think uh, no, I think this this was kind of I I think this was the plan all along. I I can't I'm, and I'm surprised it went back to 400 at any point. Well, I'm just saying like it's I don't think this is the plan all along. I think that maybe over the past few weeks um, they have noticed that the sales have taken a, like a, a large dip. I think that's what happened for them to make this announcement uh, on a Thursday and then the next day. Boom! This is the price. You know, the, the price drop actually happens because that happened on on Friday. Yeah, you know. So well, when, when did the NPD numbers come out? Although I guess it's not like Microsoft would have to wait for the NPD numbers to know how well it's been selling. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe a, they, a Wednesday or was it Tuesday? I can't. Now they remember. usually. I don't know if they come out late Thursday or early Friday because I usually see them on the like announced on Friday. So I'm not sure when Microsoft would have that information. I mean, it, it, it's entirely possible. Yeah, they were like, well, let's see if it goes back up and how that affects sales. But even then, like after Christmas, you know that like sales aren't are going to go down anyway. Like, yeah, but they still project. They they can project like, okay, well, due to the Christmas, you know, Christmas being over, we think the sales are going to go down. I think it's I think the sales were lower than what they expected. It's possible. I mean, obviously, Sony uh, Sony isn't feeling big pressure from this because they haven't said anything about a price drop. No, and why would they? They've they well, aside from the fact that Microsoft has is beaten them the last two months in sales. But even then, I don't think we have the exact num or, or what is it? I think Microsoft has won the last two months in sales, but the overall install base, Sony still has the lead. 
And I don't think Sony's really going to feel compelled to go for a price drop until Microsoft really starts breathing down their neck, which I don't get the impression is happening yet. I think Sony's got enough of a, a lead over Microsoft that they can just comfortably coast at $400 for a while. Right. And, and that, and it's one of those things too, where the, you know, the, the nature of, you know, the video games with being, you know, playing with your friends and trying to be on the same system there. Once you have that lead, even if you have, you know, Microsoft may have the, the, the lower price, but Sony has everybody else playing and they kind of get that, uh, that almost like peer pressure. Like, Oh, well, if I want to play with all my friends, I got to get a PlayStation four so I can play with all them on the PlayStation network. Uh, or I get, it can play by myself on Xbox one. Um, so, you know, so there's that factor working in favor of Sony. Right. Actually, it's funny you say that because I know more people who bought an Xbox because all of their friends bought Xbox Ones because they all had Xbox 360s. I know more people like that than people who are buying PS4s because all of their friends have PS4s. Yes. Most PS4 players I know kind of play solo. Like, Destiny is, like, really the first game I've played where I'm actually playing with other people on a regular basis. One of my friends bought a PS4 just to play Destiny with me, because playing Destiny with me is better than playing Destiny and Call of Duty with a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> okay, just letting you know. Nice. So, but, uh, yeah, like, it, uh, I, I think, like, yeah, it's, well, first of all, the, I want the, I think the reason Xbox did so well in November and December, uh, because of the price drop, was not because people were going in there, like gamers, not because gamers were going in there and being like, oh, okay, well, the Xbox is 350 I'll take it over the PS4, because you know what? There's no way I can get 50 extra dollars, <laughs> you know, to, to get the PS4 and play on that. What I think was happening is parents are going in there to get yes. gifts for their kids, and they go in, they look at the PS4, they look at the three, they look at the Xbox One, and they'd be like, Timmy's going to be okay with an Xbox One. Yes. You know? Yes. And that that's what happened. And now that that season is over, I don't think that's going to happen nearly as much. Now, I think now from now into the next holiday season, you're going to like so I mean, don't get me wrong, this is going definitely going to help Microsoft. Microsoft is going to sell more Xbox ones because people would just be more willing to buy one. Yes. You know? Like I was willing to buy one at 350 when it went down. Actually, I got mine for 330, and if you count my trades, I got it for 200, so that ain't bad. <laughs> but um yeah, like I, I think it's definitely gonna help Microsoft, but now, you know, when when a kid tells that the kids are gonna tell their parents, like, I want a PS4, I want a PS4, not you know, uh, you know, the, the, a parent trying to surprise their kid with a gift. You know what I'm yeah, saying? But, yeah, but the parents gonna tell the kid, shut up and eat your vegetables and enjoy your Xbox One, and. Uh... Yeah, no. It, I don't I, think it's, it's not that smooth because if it, if 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 a parent buys a kid who is explicitly saying that they want a PS4, okay, if the kid's explicit and vice versa, if the kid is explicitly saying that they want an Xbox One, and the parent buys the other console, they run the risk of the kid not playing the shit. I know somebody who bought their kid a PS4. He won an Xbox One, and it became a paperweight. Actually, the kid, instead of playing the PS4, he took he unhooked it and hooked his PS3 back up. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, it became a paperweight. But that's that, that's the thing. Like, I don't think like parents are not that naive. Like, they're not that disconnected from what's happening. You know, the, the other thing too, I wonder though, is do we give too much credit to the clueless parent? Because a lot of the parents I know are also gamers, and 
you know, like kind of the console that their kid plays, like they're playing along with them. So it's not like they're buying, you know, an Xbox or a PlayStation just for the kid and they're they're not aware of, you know, the games on the system or how it can be used. They're buying it more so for the family. Like, okay, these are the games that I'm going to like on it. Yes, it plays Skylanders for the kids. So we're good. Everybody's going to enjoy this system. And it may just be, I mean, I think at this point, really, it may be that, that Microsoft is targeting not so much it's not so much people who, you know, still haven't made up their mind in the console wars, but this is more the fact, you know, the lower that you can get their price, the quicker people are like, well, I got my PlayStation, but I do know some people that have an Xbox. So, you know, it's only 350. Let me go out and get another console. And maybe this is the beginning sort of that, that second wave. Like even you said you went out and got a, an Xbox after having a PlayStation. I and Maybe that's right, who this yeah. is more targeted at. That, that's a possibility. It could be because I was waiting for a price drop. I got one. Um, but for anybody who's listening to this podcast... I'd skip it. <laughs> I'd skip it only because, like, I mean, we're, we're I gonna have... get feedback on that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Here we do. The, the, here's the here's the God's honest truth. I don't think I've tr- since I've bought it in November. I haven't turned the thing on more than ten times. Less than it's actually less than ten times. The only game I'm enjoying playing, actually, I'm sorry. I did enjoy. I, I enjoyed Forza Horizon two, and the other game I'm enjoying playing. It's Halo Master Chief Collection. It's the best game on the system. Okay? The Master Chief Collection. But, I mean, I ha- I talked about last week, I think, Sunset Overdrive. Did I talk about that? Yes. A little bit? Yeah, so on Sunset Overdrive, I had that. That's my third game for the system. And I'm going to trade that shit in. And that game was getting rave reviews for the Xbox One. The Xbox, it's just... The, uh, I don't regret spending the money. But I could have waited a bit longer. You know, I, I could have waited a bit longer. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. It, 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 I, I'd skip it. Like, there's got to be something else. You know, Microsoft needs to make a bigger play. You know what would actually help out? If Microsoft had a better, like, you know, they don't, they don't have, there's no more Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, there's no more Xbox Live Arcade. But if they had a better selection of, like, those smaller games, the 10 to $15 games, that were exclusive to the Xbox, I think, uh... I think that would actually help out a lot because that gives you something to do in between major releases. Yeah. And Microsoft really doesn't have nothing to mention. It's hard to find that stuff too, man. Also, Games for Gold, yo, that shit sucks. Like, (laughs) this is my second month, actually third month having Games for Gold, and it sucks, man. They got to set their game up there. What what game did you get last month? Oh, man, I can't remember. I didn't didn't actually download them. I didn't take them. I didn't want them. You know, you know what I got this month on PS4? Infamous Second Son. Infamous First Light. Infamous Two First Light. Like, Second Son First Light. It's, it's That's a DLC. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's yeah. a standalone DLC. Did you get it? No, I did not. I, have, I still have time. Yeah, yeah, you still have time. It's a standalone DLC. Grab it. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. Like that's that's the problem. Like, uh, but I mean, of course, it, you can only get that information if you listen to this podcast. And a lot of people aren't. So I don't regret it. It's an okay system, but. Even my friend who got a PS4, he has been playing on the Xbox for almost a year now. And he gets a PS4, he's like, oh my god, this is so much better. I think Microsoft, they still have a lot of work to do. Mainly the interface, that would help a lot. Dude, that would help so much. Because you remember, it's the interface that turned me off from the 360. They could do the same thing, pick, pick more people up with the interface. We could talk about this all day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let it go. Moving on. (laughs) 
and quickly because we're definitely over time on how much we want to see that I had that as a topic, Nick, and I moved it. On you should have done that. You shouldn't have done that. No, I shouldn't have listened to you. No, you should have put it back as a topic. Just left it there because that was that that was topic worthy. All right, got people. So here we go. Nick Dunn Kevin saying, "Don't listen to him anymore." Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, let's talk about StarCraft quickly. Uh, so, and this, I only put this in here because isn't I'm pretty sure this is how term, like uh, you know, Skynet got started. But anyway, there's a tournament, a StarCraft tournament going on that consists but nothing but bots. 42 uh, AIs or 42 bots that were programmed by uh, not by Blizzard. By different teams and 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 uh, not well, maybe uh, I guess companies you could say, uh, they were programmed by them to excel at StarCraft, and they put them they pit them against each other. And we're not talking about stuff that you would normally see like a bot do, like you know StarCraft bots. If you play StarCraft two, you can after a while you can predict what they're going to do because they they make they they run the same order over and over again. A lot of these a lot of these AIs and the uh, in Starcraft and the Starcraft tournament, they learn, they adapt. Yes. So they they see what the other AI is doing and learn and adapt like a player would. They're learning and adapting to a war game. I'm pretty sure Skynet starts similarly. <laughs> like that like the, the the canon story is like chess, I think. Like they taught it chess. Like it was it was it was like a chess machine. When Skynet learns how to float their Terrans and, and turtle up, then I'll be worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Hey, Nick, you're just going ahead, man. You got to step back for a minute, dude. Did we mention that in here? No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We, yeah, so Nick is referencing like a, a, a three-hour StarCraft match that took place in a tournament, basically because another player like turtled hard. And it took three hours. No, it took three hours just to build the forces, and then I think another hour to actually resolve everything. Yeah, so, yeah. So there goes Nick. Like, just, you know, he's got inside jokes with himself. Pretty much. That's ridiculous, Nick. You're ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving on to the, uh, oh, yeah, and, 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 you know, when the war comes, just let you know you heard it here first on the MASHcast about Skynet. Uh, So on the next topic, a journey composer... A game that was lauded, you know, that, uh, the music was a huge part of that game. Yes. Mainly because all you had was music and scenery. It wasn't really a game. But I digress. <laughs> okay. That's why you put this in here, because you just want to bring that up again. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just saying. It's whatever. Anyway, so, <laughs> so uh, he actually uh, may be exposed, uh, not exposed, sorry, expelled from his union because he did uh, some non-union work on the Banner Saga, and he was uh, going to be—he's going to be fined by the uh, American Federation of Musicians. So I guess, I guess, like those jobs have to come through the union, and he didn't do that because I guess the Banner Saga was developed in in Texas. You said, Nick? Uh, yeah, that's where he did the recordings, anyway. Yeah, yeah, he did the recordings in a right-to-work state, you know, which is Texas is a right-to-work state. Uh, to avoid union rule. Oh, so I actually I didn't read that part before. He deliberately worked on the Banner Saga in Texas uh, to avoid union rules. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because it was t- uh, half as much to record in Texas than it was with the union, uh, the union musicians in Los Angeles. And he said he wanted to do it in L.A., but you know it was just cost prohibitive. Right. It was too much. 
So uh, now they're talking. They want to find him twenty five hundred bucks, and he's saying he's not going to pay it. Uh, and uh, so uh, I think of, as of the nineteenth, he will be ejected from that union. Even last year, um, there was some. Uh, he I think he was uh, threatened with a fifty thousand dollar fine. Uh, so yeah, like, there, yeah, yeah, there, there, there was mention of that. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah. The, I, I I really don't have any more comments on unions. I, that's not really my thing. I'm against anything that drives up prices. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but yeah, so he that 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 may happen. We'll see what happens on the 19th. I'm pretty sure they're gonna follow up that story with uh, if he actually gets kicked out of the union or what's he gonna what or I guess maybe how that's gonna affect him. So uh, we'll see. Uh, next up in Nintendo is. It looks like they're experimenting with cross by uh Donkey oh sorry, Mario vs. Donkey Kong tipping stars on Wii if you buy it on Wii U, you've also bought it on three DS and vice versa. Uh I guess that's the beauty of the digital age. You buy it on one in the eShop and you can play it in the other. So now both Sony and Microsoft and, and uh Nintendo uh looks like they're in the cross by camp. Unfortunately Microsoft really doesn't have anything to cross by with. <laughs> I guess maybe your PC. Actually, no, you're right. You're you're right, but most of the games that are coming out on the Xbox aren't coming out on PC. Yeah. And on top of that, like when a game when a when a console game comes out on PC, there's usually major differences, major yeah. like major differences in graphics and performance and stuff like that. So I could see that being, you know, uh, you got to pay for both of those. Well, it make, it makes sense to to buy your console game to be able to play it on a mobile console then because obviously you're on the go you're not gonna you know in if you're at home you're, you'll use the console if you can't you'll use the the mobile version but to cross by the pc pc is just gonna be better yes. so at that point <laughs> like why would you you know just buy it on pc why would you even want the console version so. that is true um i mean i wish <laughs> i kind of wish like stuff that I, I i had so much stuff on my 360 in the xbox live arcade and i wish that i could use i wish that stuff could come to my xbox one Rolling back around to the Xbox One, I just thought something. If Microsoft actually made the stuff that was in my on my account available on my Xbox One, I would play my Xbox One all the time. There's another way, Microsoft. I hope you're listening to this. I'm giving you gold here, gold. You can win everybody back this way. Nick doesn't agree. He's too quiet. No, I agree. <laughs> I just got nothing to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, next topic, Grand Theft Auto 5, uh, is being pushed back. The PC launch date is being pushed back, so I'll have to wait a bit more for that. Uh, Steam for Linux is, uh, there's a bug in Steam for Linux, actually a pretty big bug, where if you move the Steam folder, it wipes out everything on your hard drive from the root folder down. So that really sucks. (laughs) That really sucks. Uh, the article is going to be in the notes, so check that out if you're using Steam for Linux. Uh, Activision, uh, they announced that Destiny is their new uh, biggest franchise loss. Oh, not loss, sorry, launch. Uh, I think it came in third on um, for the uh, for the year-end data at MPD behind Call of Duty and Madden NFL 15. I mean, that's Activision's balling, man. They really, they really are. <laughs> they better be because I mean they they've got what a ten year plan and like a five hundred billion dollar is it five hundred million or five hundred billion dollars five hundred million 
Yeah. Okay. Billion's a bit much, yeah. but, <laughs> but it is over 10 years. So that's only 50 billion a year, but no, it, it's, I mean, they've got a huge plan for this game. So anything less than the success that they're seeing. And I mean, even then I'm sure they were, well, I mean, I guess they're not too upset that it didn't dethrone call of duty, but, uh, you know, I mean, any, any anything, you know, what that only lost out to the stalwart mainstays of Madden and Call of Duty, um, you know, and it's a new property, you know, good for, well, I guess good for them. I mean, they, it's, I was saying to you earlier that, that, you know, as somebody who had minimal interest in Destiny and just was kind of watching it from afar, even I got swept up in it, and now I'm playing it every day. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's amazing because, I don't know, as, as somebody who kind of, you know, loosely follows polygon like every like every other article on there that's not about like uh you know it's like like equality and gaming and whatnot it's about it's, destiny it's about destiny exactly you know, right, absolutely right. I, it, I was surprised them and kotaku have a enormous amount of destiny articles well it makes sense because you know and, and even one of their articles too was basically like why do we still cover destiny even though we only gave it a six and they keep bringing up that they gave it a six like every opportunity that they can but that's besides the point but no it, it makes sense because it's it is such a popular game there are a lot of people playing it it's 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 the biggest game of i would say the new console generation and i don't know i don't know if it's necessarily a system seller um because I mean, it is available on both consoles, so it's not like it's going to push anybody in one direction. Although it is best on the PlayStation Four, but uh, no, it, it's it makes sense that even if you know, you know, you're, you're kind of you know, it's not critically that great that you know you can kind of argue with it. Um, it's fairly accessible, and if everybody's playing it, like yeah, the more you talk about it, the more eyes you're going to get. So it makes sense that they'd be chasing that. So yeah, it's, it's Destiny's popular. Newsflash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, there was one other uh, article I had, which was actually not really an article, more like a job posting. Sucker Punch is looking for a narrative writer. Uh, I love Sucker Punch games, so I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you were going to say I love Sucker Punches, because then, like, the next time I see you, you're not looking for this. That would be a really bad idea, Nick. That would be a terrible idea, I know, but it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. But going back, if I can, I do want to say, uh, talking about Destiny for a moment, uh, I did listen to the Mashcast Plus that you uh, you recorded with, uh, was it Sage and, uh, was it Jorge? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. I, I enjoyed listening to that. Oh, well, thank I, you. I, I got the chance to, to yell, at, uh, yell at you guys again without actually being part of the conversation. It felt good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, what part were you yelling at? Um... Just the part in general where you're talking about Destiny being an MMO because it is an MMO, but it's not an MMO. And Bungie's been having their cake and eating it too because anytime you call them about it being an MMO, they're like, well, we never said it was an MMO. We just said it's MMO-like. But yeah, it's – like make up your mind. Either you're an MMO or you're not an MMO and kind of like if you're not an MMO, like get more that way. They're trying to like you know, ride that fence of like we're kind of like an MMO but not really. But no, you're an MMO. Like just right. act like it. Right. Okay. Uh, so let's move into our articles finally. <laughs> so the first one's kind of a surprise because I didn't even know this game existed. A game called H1Z1. It totally flew. I flew under my radar. Maybe because I'm not into you know zombie survival horror games like that. Like I don't like Daisy. You know, it's just the game was too slow. But uh, H1Z1, I guess, was so uh, SOEs or Sony Online Entertainment's. Uh, 
you know, they're 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 them trying to cash in on that type of game because with the uh, with the success of like Daisy and Infestation survival stories, uh, they they want to get in on that, and apparently people were excited for it because they, this game was a full out game. It's more than a mod, so they were excited to see you know what Sony could do with it when they put some money behind it and their their uh their marketing team Sony's marketing team had you know they were they were definitely hyping it up they even had what it was a 12 they hired uh 12 Twitch streamers to stream the game simultaneously up until launch okay and even I think in the, in the games was it the game's launcher yes uh you could watch the Twitch streams like simultaneously if you wanted to and people were in H1Z1 t-shirts, and, you know, we're dressing up in zombie cosplay and all types of shit. That's okay. got us. I feel so, bad so the for game, whoever... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, just, I feel bad for whoever actually went through the pro- process of getting dressed up like a zombie for what's about to happen. Yes. So basically, everything's working fine. The game is working. Everybody, People are getting, like, really, uh, you know, really excited for it. Uh, one Twitch uh, player had more than 55,000 viewers on his channel. Okay, and the game was set to launch on Steam at 3 p.m. Okay, now this game was it was not it's not even the full launch. It is the Steam early access launch. Okay, and it actually got pushed to back, uh, which is um, you know a minor inconvenience. And so basically, you know, you had a bunch of people who were excited for this game. Now they can't play it, so they're definitely looking at the streamers. Okay, and around that time is when shit started to go wrong. Okay. Um, no one was able to, to log in. I guess the streamers got kicked off. I wasn't actually watching the stream, but basically people couldn't log in anymore. And so basically you have 12 Twitch streamers sitting there not playing your game. Actually, one of the players went and played another game. They went to play Battlefield 4. Okay. Uh, apparently they, they said they had, um, the president of SOE, uh, John Smedley, he started tweeting about it, and he said they were, uh, you know, they had 200 servers going live in their data center. But I, I guess that really wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't enough. But just to see, tell you how how excited people were for this game, that day it was supposed to come out, 7,000 people started following H1Z1's Twitter account. Okay? Uh, so... I guess like so, so. Let's see. It was supposed to come come online at 3 p.m. E, uh, e, um, Eastern. Around that time, the servers start fucking up. Two hours later, the servers supposed to actually come up, still not working. They didn't get the hardware to come online until 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, which I thought was funny because I really didn't think companies really had their own data centers anymore. I shouldn't say that. That companies don't do that. But like, when you have a a big release like this, even though this is early access, this is a big release. You're gonna have a heavy load. I would think that they would either. Well, it's Sony, so they're not gonna use Azure, but is, they could. But they could have. They could have made the uh, used Amazon, like you know, like like Amazon uh, cloud services, to help balance the load better. Is this? A big release. I mean, okay, there's 55,000 viewers so, on the on the one channel, so I get that. But it's still early access. Like, 
I mean, and admittedly, we've seen botched real launches. I mean, I'm imagining like if, you know, for uh, the, the last Warcraft expansion that, you know, this is kind of similar to some of the problems that happened, you know, the day that that went live. Um, but, you know, but but that there they had a problem of an influx of three million players. And, and I don't think this is quite the same issue here. Um, and, and But the thing, too, is like this is alpha. This is alpha ac- or early access. Like this is not. This is not supposed to be prime time. Like, if you're going to screw up, early access is when you'd want to screw up. And it's just amazing that Sony hyped up the early access so much that they 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 got all like excited for this because if somebody had said, "Oh, hey, you know, like this game came on early access and when it, when it launched, it wasn't ready," that's not news. That's kind of what we'd expect to happen here but i guess their marketing team just went so all in and the fact that they lined up all those streamers and put them in the launcher like it's just amazing <laughs> yeah well no, this is the thing i mean they were uh, this is why you don't hype up early access release i think i, I mean uh, uh, it's one of the problems with early access like it's not i shouldn't say it's really a problem with early access but with early access some developers and uh uh, publishers apparently are treating them, treating these early access releases like you know big revenue. What should have happened in a situation like this is there should have been, they should have had people sign up for an alpha or a beta and do a closed beta test, and that way they can stream people in, you know, a few hundred at a time or a few thousand at a time, and stress test the servers, you know, and stop stop the invites. When they see the servers getting stressed, you know, and then invite more in. There should have been a stress test before this. Now it just looks bad. Now, I don't think, I mean, I guess maybe if you pre-ordered the early access, that's a bigger problem. Uh, I don't even know if that's even possible, to be honest with you. I would have to look into that. But, I, I, you know, it's not like, you know, you went out or to a store and bought Battlefield 4 or you went out to, or, or you bought it on Origin or Steam, and then you know you spent sixty bucks and the game's not working. I don't think that really happened. Uh, so this just looks bad for the game, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's game over for you the know, game. Like, go ahead. You know where I think we're using early access wrong because we're thinking of like Steam early access, and this is actually the game is supposed to launch. I think like launch properly and I'm looking for a date for that, but this is like the early access to the game ahead of time. Like, you know how like, uh, like Wildstar did this, uh, where Wildstar launched on a certain date, but I think like the weekend before, if you had pre-ordered, you could get in early. Yeah. Like, so this is actually supposed to be the final game. Like, this is not the beta. This is not early access. Like, you know, and that's the thing is like steam early access. Like we're thinking of like, you know, like you get to watch the game in development. We even talked about that. I think we talked about that the other week. How Steam made some changes to their rules for that. Yeah. But but this here is actually uh, that no, this is like the game is supposed to be co- coming out soon, and it's supposed to be a free to play game. Although you did have to actually pay for the early access part of it. Mm. Okay. So yeah. Well, I, guess, so, uh, I said the game flew under my radar. I did not know all that about. Yeah. It. So this this actually is not. This is not. Uh, oh no! They do say it's actually. No, they do say it is actually going to be a little unfinished. So I don't know. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's it's not. Uh, 
it's not quite the same early access that we're used to thinking of on Steam, but it is still it is still in development. I don't think they've actually, I'm actually I'm looking for a launch date and I actually haven't seen one yet. So I think maybe this this might be basically the beta launch because I don't see any 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 talk of a beta. So although that's weird, you know maybe it is early access then because they're saying that they'd uh, they're saying that you have to pay for access, which is exactly what early access is on Steam. Right. But, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like I don't know what they were expecting to deliver. <laughs> I don't. Like yeah, that's the thing. Like I don't know what they were expecting to deliver. That at the very least, it seems that you should like. It seems that the game had not undergone enough testing for the level of hype that the marketing department wanted to impart. That's the fundamental problem here is that the marketing department and the development department had two very different expectations. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure the development department expected that things would go smoothly. Well, the the thing is, I think marketing department isn't really built to temper expectations. They're supposed to build as much hype as possible for this shit. Yeah, but you don't want to shine a flashlight when you're going to stub your toe. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but I mean, like, how, how how often and how many people in the marketing department actually talk to the dev guys? That exactly. Who's they talking should have been, to who? You know they should have been on the same page on this. You know what's probably happening? You probably have a director of that game or whatever, and he's in a room, right? He brings in the head of marketing. He brings in the head of development, and now they're talking. And he's like, okay, how's the game going? Are we going to be ready to deliver on time? Head development can know that we have this problem, we have that problem, uh, we need time for this, we need time for that. But yes, we will be launching on time. Yes. You know, that that could easily be the situation where, they're, you know, both sides are not getting the, the whole story. Yeah. and But even then, though, like, if they haven't done the proper testing, they may not have known that the launch, that the, the uh, authentication servers were going to fail. So oh, yeah. I mean, well, and, and I don't to think that's that's fault of the de- development department. But on the other hand, like this, you know, this is similar to what happened to Blizzard when they launched when they launched their game, and it, and I'm sure there were people who were trying to stream, but Blizzard wasn't openly like, "Hey, Warlords of Draenor is launching here. Watch people not be able to log in." Right. Was, yeah. Well, it's know? not like they anticipated this type of failure because people didn't even get in yet. That's the thing. Yes. Like, people weren't even getting in yet, and the the people who were in were now getting kicked off. So, yeah, I, I definitely didn't anticipate it. I don't think it was a, like a load or a stress issue. Uh, but, you know, if they would have tried something like this earlier with a smaller control group, they probably could have avoided this embarrassment. They probably should have just let the streamers in. <laughs> Which, well, they, well, they I mean, did for that for a while. The streamers yeah. were fine for a while. Yeah, and that's, yeah, because fundamentally, like, that's who controls perception. I mean, if you know. If you if one person can't log in, maybe they go to the forums. They see a few other people can't log in. But if you got fifty five thousand people watching one person not be able to log in, even if that's the only person that can't log in, now you've got fifty five thousand people who think you have a problem. And yeah, that's that's kind of how you need to manage that. Right. So uh, yeah, I mean, but the the funny thing is because the next article that we're about to bring up, it totally doesn't mean that they're going to have a big problem, like you know, actually selling the game when the time comes because. Uh, the War Z, which we talked about, was it during the summertime? When did we talk about it? It was a while back. It was a while ago. I don't remember when exactly. The War Z, you know, came out. Like, it came out on Steam Early Access. Or was it on Early Access? No, it was a full release. The War Z came out on full release, but it was barely, like, it was It was more like early, early, early beta. But it was coming out as full release. It was so bad that Steam actually pulled it off until, yes. the, until the game got better. 
Uh, I love it. Like the parent, like, whoa, whoa, step back. <laughs> yeah, like, so Steam, they actually pulled her off of Steam until the game got better. Uh, well, we just got a report that, that the, the sales for that game surpassed 2.8 million. Oh, sorry, not sales, but yeah, it surpassed uh, 2.8 million sales of the game, or 2.8 million units were sold. Okay, and that game launched horribly. It launched horribly. Now, I don't want to talk about this because this is like some big accomplishment for them, which it is. 2.8 million sales is huge. Because remember, they were going to can Tomb Raider because it didn't get 3 million sales in the first month. So, I mean, like, you know, 2.8 million, 2. million sales is nothing to sneeze at. Okay, yeah. so that, that's good for them. It's good for them that they sold it. The problem I have with this are the people who bought the game. Okay, now it's a bad game. The game is probably all fixed up and everything like that now. Okay, but the problem I have is that, you know, they were talking about, like the developers were talking about, you know, they were arrogantly deaf to, uh, to players. Okay, they were arrogantly deaf to players, and they said that's something they need to work on, well, obviously. But my thing is, people need to stop buying bad games. The reason why they were arrogantly deaf during that time was because people were still buying the game. If you hear that a game is bad, if you know somebody who's playing the game, you know, and they say it's bad, or if you're playing the game and it's bad, don't tell your friends to buy the game. (laughs) (laughs) So don't hate play is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Don't hate play. Don't turn this into a Howard Stern. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to see a game fail. I don't want to see a game fail ever. If a game is bad, I actually just want to see the game get better, you know? But what I, I, I can't say, like, when people buy bad games, that pro, that gives off, you know, that, that promotes, you know, bad practices on developers and publisher parts. But when people buy bad games, they're giving money to the publisher to make the game better. Or, they're, well, not even, that's not even really the case. Like, for example, it's, it's, the, the, that publisher, like when it comes to when it comes to a certain part, uh, where a publisher or a developer will stop working on a game, like once it reaches a certain threshold. I mean, look at Darkspore. That game is broken. <laughs> you know, that game is like straight up broken, and it's not being fixed. There, there, we there's more than a few games that have come out that were where things develop. At the end of the day, things just did. So, so you, you, need to, you need to tell everybody to go out and buy Dark Spore so that the company can get more money, and once they get enough money, they'll fix the they game. They close support for the game. Then they'll reopen it. No, they won't. <laughs> you are God, Nick. I hate you. Like that, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, it's like it's like the same thing with with buying DLC. Like you know, the reason why Activision chops up games the way it does is because people still buy DLC. You know. Like, I'm very, very on the fence about buying the next Destiny DLC because they, like, it leaked what's going to be in it, and it's going to be the same thing as, uh, you know, what was in the past DLC, and that's just not worth 20 bucks. I'm sorry, it is not worth $20. Not to mention, there's a huge DLC coming out in September, and I swear to God, if that shit's 40 bucks, I'm quitting, I'm done. Because it's a, it's a really really big DLC comparatively to what we're paying twenty bucks for now. But well, I don't know. I don't want to get into a, a whole topic about how much Destiny DLC should be worth or not. But I don't know. I feel like 
okay, so you're not going to buy House of Wolves. Like, don't you feel like you're going to get left behind when everybody else buys House of Wolves? Well, that's the thing. Like, that, if I don't buy House of Wolves, I basically need to stop playing. That's what I'm weighing. Like, do I still do I want to play it that bad? Or not? Like, I feel like, I, like even with the with the Dark Below, there's not a single person who's actually bought, I, I've talked to a boss that thought it was worth 20 bucks. You know? And I tell people all the time that I, that, that the Dark Below is not worth the money that you're going to spend on it. Right. But the thing is, a lot of the people I play with, they already bought the, the pack, like the two pack. Oh, so they got the, the Dark Below and they already got House of Wolves. Exactly, yeah. Ah. But so, actually, if you bought it that way, though, wasn't it, it was actually cheaper than $20. $5 cheaper. Which is $15, which... No, $5 cheaper total. Oh, so, for both... Oh, so it's like 17, 17, 17 50. 50. Yeah. That's not that great a deal. No, it's not. But Activision doesn't give a fuck. They don't have to because people keep buying it. See, if I bought it on Xbox One, I would have saved $50 that I could have then given to Bungie for, uh, for Destiny. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Constant. No, no. Constantly with the bullshit. <laughs> uh, we need to have a boy. We need to implement the Mashcast bullshit meter. <laughs> and see how uh, Nick can come I, I, close. Nick can come to the threshold every every Mashcast. Announce the early access so I can break it when uh, when you debut it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Like when you uh, publishers and developers listen to dollar signs. If people are complaining. But they're still buying, or they're still playing, you know. They're like, you know, they they're gonna, they're not gonna be. Oh, okay, we'll see what we can do, and then they're just gonna go like because they're they're right. If people really didn't want it, they wouldn't pay for it. But, and and that's I and I think we we said this before is that that's kind of the pro- the fundamental problem with sort of like I guess gaming. I don't want to say culture, but like the the gamer mindset is like we'll complain about a game. We'll, you know, we'll bitch about a game. We'll complain about prices. We'll complain about, you know, what's in the game, what's not in the game. But at the end of the day, we'll keep buying the games, and it's our own fault for whatever crappy products we get because we keep buying the games. I mean, I know I was slagging on Polygon earlier, but they've then they're not the only one who's posted, you know, an article about, you know, why you shouldn't pre-order games, and it's entirely true. Like, you, you know, you shouldn't be giving money for an untested product up front, especially when we're seeing now these untested products fail. I mean, look at, you know, I know you talked about Halo Master Chief Edition being a, a prominent game for the Xbox One. That was broken for how long it's before? It's still kind of broken. But... It's still kind of broken. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we had Assassin's Creed last year that that had a terrible terrible launch but that was just funny so it made up for it <laughs> <laughs> right but no right but the thing is i mean these are games especially because they're big franchises people ran out and you know put money down on unity or put money down on uh halo master chief you know ex- won't, expecting a quality game but they didn't they didn't get that and if you keep doing that like that like you know we can sit there and bitch and post in forums and complain about how your game is terrible but until people stop spending money on bad games, that's not going to change. And I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just feel like the the one problem with the games industry is like, okay, so you don't like, you know, so like, okay, you know, three four three, you know, kind of screwed up the Master Chief Edition. Are you not going to buy Halo Five now? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm still going to buy Halo Five because actually the parts of the Master Chief Collection, the single player. I didn't run into any single problem. 
You know what I'm saying? I didn't run into a single problem playing the game. Most of the stuff was with the multiplayer. Yeah. But the thing is, they had one team develop a Master Chief collection while the other team was working on Halo 5. Hopefully, the good guys are working on Halo 5. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things we'll have to see. I mean, you know, I think, what is it? The, the Halo 5 multiplayer just went into beta. Um, and I've heard, I've heard good things about it, actually. Um, so hopefully that's a good sign going forward. Um, yeah, I actually wanted to play that when I got a chance, but I never got a chance because I don't turn on the Xbox, so I never, <laughs> I never downloaded it. And because uh, it, it looked good, it looked good. And I, I, you know how I feel about console, uh, first-person shooters, dude. It yes. looked good. I was like, wow, I kind of want to play that. For, for for what it's worth, Polygon was saying that the uh, the Halo Five beta was better than Destiny. Yeah, it's that's not worth much to me. <laughs> yeah, I stopped reading Polygon reviews a while ago. So, but I'm not going to get too deep into that. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, congrats on the to the War Z devs hitting 2.8 million. But gamers, like if you if the game is that bad, stop buying the shit. Yes. Okay. Um. Next topic. Uh, the game called Life is Strange. Uh, the developer, uh, I was going to say complaining. They weren't complaining, but they were noting that no, the only publisher that would touch Life is Strange was Square Enix. And the reason is because it has a female protagonist. Apparently, they, they shopped it around, and I guess they were, you know, other publishers were interested, but they wanted to drop the female protagonist. And, uh,. I don't know. Some people. Like, this was on the Mary Sue, <clears throat> which is I don't I don't know if you want to call it a feminist blog or just I guess a, it, it's a website for female interest. Um, I don't read it too much, so I can't tell you if it's actually a feminist blog or not. But um, yeah, a lot of people are going to point to this and say, see, the, the industry is uh, misogynist or they're sexist, which is kind of, that, that's kind of true, and uh, that one that it's more than kind of true in this case. But I think the the bigger point for me for this is the fact that you have this proves it's something that we've already known, but it proves that you have uh, higher ups and executives that are so disconnected from the player base. Yes, that's what this proves because I mean, it, I know it was hard for a game like Remember Me to come out because I had a female protagonist, but I don't think anybody cared about the female protagonist. It's just that the game itself was just okay and not that great that it kind of got pulled down. Um, but like, yeah, like these executives don't really realize or they don't know that you know they think that uh, that a female protagonist is actually going to cause the game to sell less. You know, like they, they, it's, it's like. It, it's so out of touch with gamers. Like, I don't even know like really what to say about it. Well, I know so, was it beyond two souls was, was, was shit because that had a female protagonist. No, that was shit because of a shitty game. <laughs> beyond two souls sucked. Not because it had a female protagonist. It sucked because somebody tried to make a movie interactive. That's why that game sucked. Okay. So I don't want to hear anything about having a female protagonist. Because you actually play partially as a dude in that game. If you beat it, you know what I'm talking about. Actually, did you even get that game, Nick? No, I didn't get that game. Good, good for you. Good for you. Because that game was balls. I also didn't get The Last of Us because you you play as Ellie for part of it. Oh, really, Nick? Uh, (laughs) Nick's bullshit meter is rising up. (laughs) 
but um, also go ahead. You know, I was gonna say also this is why Tomb Raider didn't hit that three million in the first month because nobody wanted to play as a, a more realistic Lara Croft. <laughs> you want to play as a more realistic Lara Croft? That's why you wanted a Tomb Raider on your Xbox One. <laughs> no, I said nobody wanted to. They, they oh, want, okay. Sorry. They want the old, incredibly po- polygonal, um, you know, you know, low shorts, you know, pyramidal cleavage. Lara Croft. They don't want this. Oh, she actually looks like she could be a young woman. Lara Croft, who actually like screams when you she gets hurt and stuff. What are you t- trying to talk from like their perspective? Is that what you're trying to do here? <laughs> I'm the games industry public defender. This is what I have to do. I have, you to sound... de- I have to defend this terribly misogynistic viewpoint. So I'm doing my best. <laughs> you sound absolutely retarded. <laughs> Really? Yes. Talking misogynistically makes me sound absolutely retarded. Yes, it, it does. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's the, 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 the problem here is that like we have executives in the industry that are just too too disconnected from what the player base actually wants. Like They think the player base is a bunch of like 10 to 15 year old boys who think girls are icky maybe no no i, I don't but, know or, or think like okay i know one like one of the things they said you can't have a character kissing a man yeah like, well, wait, wait, let, me, let me let me say this in my uh my public defender voice here you can't make a dude like the player kiss another dude in the game that's gonna feel awkward yeah because <laughs> i bet they all play games that's probably the problem like they don't play games themselves like i don't it takes, at least for me, I mean, I can't speak for every gamer, but it takes a lot for me to be pulled so far into a game that I feel like I'm the character. In most cases, it feels like I'm watching somebody do something. Yeah. You know, and I'm just kind of in control. That's what it feels, it feels like I'm watching a movie. So, like, you know, playing as a female character, I don't feel like I'm her most of the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, like, did... People, I mean, I don't. It's like, did executives think like, oh, you know, like you're playing Mario in Super Mario Brothers, like you're gonna identify with him because he's a small Italian plumber, like definitely I not. Know. I don't know. Yeah, like you don't have to identify. I mean, everybody listens to this podcast, but you don't. Like, you don't have to identify with a character in order to enjoy the game. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I suppose there's a part of it, but even then, like. I mean, look at games where you can make the character like, you know, like the games, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like Destiny that have like a, you know, a, a system where you can kind of create your own character. Or, uh, I know Dragon Age is a very robust, but even, but even like, you know, Dragon Age, especially because it's like an RPG. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of intended for you to kind of like, you know, kind of inhabit that role. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for a game like this, like really you're playing somebody through the story like there, I, and I, I I understand to I understand to a degree they're like well you know like you know gaming is dominated by white males and so we kind of have to play to that sensibility but like at the same time like let these people tell their story if they if their story works with a woman there's no need to change it and I really I can't imagine I'm sure I'm sure there will be somebody out there who's going to be like oh main character is a woman not playing this one like okay fine I'm sure there's somebody that's going to do that but it's not going to be that many people and I if the game if the game is going to sell or it's not going to sell it's going to sell on its merits as a game and not because it's not like you're going to have this great amazing game that everybody's going to be like oh my god you need to play this and it's not the only thing holding it back from getting to that status is that the main character is a woman 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally understand that. You know, they they want to play to a certain market, but it doesn't mean you have to play square on, dead on to that. Mm. Like you said, like you're 100 percent right about that. But that's a part of that disconnect, man. Like the, the disconnect is, it sucks. Like I mean, I don't know. Like maybe maybe in the future, where when we have more developers who you know grew up playing games uh like these type of games like or in in, in a what's the word I'm looking for in a gaming climate uh like in this gaming climate like where uh you know stories are more in depth and characters have depth and they're more like movies that when they finally get up to those levels those executive levels they'll know for sure like no no this is okay like gamers don't mind this this isn't holding the game back anymore not anymore, sorry, but it's not holding the game back and is able to change things, but who knows, man? Who knows? As of right now, this is, it's it's retarded. Just I'm, like Nick sounded not that long ago. <laughs> I don't know, I'm shaking my head here. Like, I I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't hold out a lot of hope that this is going to change anytime soon. Oh, anytime soon? No, definitely not. You know, definitely not, but it's just, it's, it's, it's stupid. Uh, anyway, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, so the GDC, uh, which is Game Developers Conference, uh, they released uh, their uh, I guess it's a yearly state of the industry that they do. And uh, I was hoping by now my browser would actually have the numbers up, but it's taking forever to come up right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either way, you know, it basically just gives the basic climate of the industry. Still not coming up for me, so I'm just going to talk about what I saw. Um, so to nobody's surprise, game developers are starting to settle into the, to the Xbox One and PS4. Yes, you know the Xbox One, PS4, they're, they're starting to settle into it, and uh, hopefully that that means we see more games, big or small, you know, smaller games going to both consoles. Uh, hopefully the Xbox One gets more, so I have a reason to actually turn this thing on. Did, okay, <laughs> did we talk about? this last year when they announced their state of the industry i don't know i can't remember because oh no you know what i'm thinking because I, I know we've talked about these kind of uh like polls before and i want to say it was another gdc poll except that this one I, I feel like was coming out of e3 um and the one problem that we always run into with these is they give all their they give all their stats like in percentages um and they talk about uh let's see here uh so uh what is it uh uh, so compared to last year, 20, 26% of developers surveyed said they're currently working on a PlayStation 4 game, up from 14% last year. And 22% said they're currently working on an Xbox One game, up from 12% last year. Uh, and then notes that games are often developed across multiple platforms. So there's some overlap within those numbers. Um, and so the, the question that I always run into is how large are the developers that they're talking to? How much of these are indie developers who might be working on PC, might even, you know, may still be working on... Uh, you know, may still be working on the PlayStation 3 or more likely probably working on something mobile um, because the barrier to entry for those platforms is a lot lower. And how many of these are, you know, AAA developers or even not, not, I don't know what the right word is here, but like, I guess, senior indie developers who have access to, say, a PS4 dev kit or an Xbox One dev kit um, who can, you know, develop for those consoles. Um, and even then, I think it's just the key is that the barrier to entry for mobile is so much lower. Um, that uh, because that's one of the other things here. PC and mobile still reign in terms of platform popularity. 56% of survey respondents said their current game will be released on PC, and 50% said their current project will release on smartphones or tablets. Um, 
So compared to 53 and 52 last year. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where we, st- you know, then they're kind of trying to spin it like, you know, there's a dominance for mobile and a dominance for tablets, uh, which is true to a degree. But like I said, like those platforms have such a lower barrier to entry. It makes sense. Like that's where the bulk of development would be because that's where you have like the large number of small developers. Whereas you only have a few big developers working on the consoles. And so it's, it's one of those things where they kind of try to spin it like, oh, hey, mobile's, you know, huge in the gaming industry. And it's just kind of that's the way sort of the, the pyramid works as far as, you know, with, you kind of need to be big to do work on the work on the consoles. You can, you know, you can just be working out of your garage. And if you're doing that, it's much easier to work on mobile. Yeah, that, that is that is true. a good a lot of good points. Uh, it finally came up, Nick, so I'm ready. <laughs> you were able to read along. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it finally came up. I was always ready, so thank you very much. Uh, so, um, let's see what else. Big news coming out. Not big news, Um, but uh, actually, it's actually I, I've, it's complete opposite of big news. Like, we knew these things were happening. Uh, digital sales and microtransactions trump retail when it comes to profits. No shit. Um, that, and that's, that's the trend we're going to continue to see. Until eventually retail, you know, brick and mortar, the only thing people will be buying from there are those cards that have, you know, digital money yes. for, for Steam and various other services. Yes. So, take, take your GameStop cards and buy your PlayStation Plus subscription. Yes, exactly. That's what's happening. I mean, GameStop's Best Buy, well, maybe not Best Buy, but GameStop's definitely, I can see, becoming a cart in a mall versus actually, um, you know a store <laughs> I, I can totally see that happen yeah uh what else we have here oh it looks like uh 40 percent of developers saw profits rise and staff expand in 2014 compared to 2013 so that's good that, that's good for well everybody you know large development staffs means uh not only more games and better games but games with less problems <laughs> uh so that's good now well, the- you know I, w- I wonder too, though. I mean, because they they do show there were a few pe- like it was very few companies that had or was it maybe like ten percent had higher profits in twenty thirteen than twenty fourteen, uh, and then everybody else either was about the same or higher, except for the thirty percent who were not sure. And I wonder if it's one of those things like if you had higher profits in twenty thirteen, were your profits in twenty fourteen so bad that you're no longer eligible to respond to the survey because your company went under at this point? That's a good point, Nick. <laughs> I actually did not think of that. That is a really good point. But I, I don't want to be grim, so I'm leaving it alone. Now, the one thing I thought was interesting is that more than 1 in 10 developers, so more than 10%, 12% to be exact, uh, surveyed saying they are making an eSports game. I think that is very, very risky to try to manufacture an e- uh, 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 either a new eSport or an eSport game. I, uh, I think that, that, that's very difficult to do. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. You can make the game. I mean, I, making the game is probably no problem. The problem is getting people to play it and then view it as an eSport. For something to be an eSport, I mean, you have to have a substantial amount of people playing it. There's some eSports communities that, form, that formed on their own, like Counter-Strike, uh, the fighting game community, uh, Unreal Tournament, uh, Dota. All that stuff formed on their own. I mean, League of Legends is kind of just um, piggybacking off of that. League of Legends took, you know, a game, a, a genre that was already primed for esports, 
for some people. I, I don't see the appeal, but still, I, I digress. Um, that was prime for esports, and then they, you know, they infused cash with it and gave people a, 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 a even more of a reason to play. You know, it took a lot for League of Legends to get where it is right now. Yes, and uh, these developers that are working on these esports games, I they gotta have. I think they might have to have some deep pockets behind them because right now the climate for you to for your game to be even considered not considered esports, but to even have a chance. As an esport game, I think you got to put money into it. Mm. I mean, once League of Legends put their put Star Infusion cash into their own tournaments, look at what Blizzard did. Blizzard responding by infusing cash into StarCraft Two tournaments. What about what about Hearthstone, which Blizzard just woke up one day and said, "Here, esport." <laughs> Hearthstone is an esport. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. It it, it has a very. I, I think you're. Well, I, I guess you're interpreting esport with a very narrow definition, and I feel like this this, uh, this state of the union has a much broader definition because they say working on a game they consider to be an esport, competitive skill-based multiplayer games. And Hearthstone does have a very active competitive community, um, and it was one of the things I, I I I don't know how to describe it other than as an esport, uh, but they had you know a tournament that they broadcasted at BlizzCon um, with an amazing stage, by the way. I don't think I got to mention that anywhere, but I I, I did watch the the finals and they actually like built a replica tavern for the people to play the finals in. I actually think it was the bulk of the tournament they played in, but uh, but Hearthstone is very much followed online. It does you know people watch it streaming and. There are those who would consider it to be an esport, and I think the way that this is defining an esport, if you're, as I said, a competitive skill-based multiplayer game, that is a very broad description. And basically, it, to me, it, it kind of makes that one in ten developers making an esport game, it makes that very, very kind of meaningless. Um, because if you're making like if you're making a shooter game, and if you put any kind of multiplayer component into it, technically you're making an esport. Um, if you're making, if you're almost any kind of game you play against somebody online, technically you're making an esport. If you like, um, really, unless you're making a single player experience, uh, or I guess a competitive, or not a competitive, uh, like a, a cooperative multiplayer experience, um, anything other than that counts as an esport, at least by their definition. And so, I don't. I can't imagine that a lot of these people are thinking like, "Oh, hey, like our." You know, our new card game is going to be the next big thing. It's going to blow up like Hearthstone. Because, I mean, Blizzard has clout within the, the community that they can come out and basically just announce, boom, here's a new game. Everybody go and, and make, you know, make hay with this. Um, and even then, that's kind of what they did with Overwatch, even though it hasn't come out yet. But I can't see any any developer kind of working in anonymity like, oh, hey, you know, we, we've got the next great shooter here that everybody's going to love. And it's only going to be on your iPhone, but you can stream with it. Like, I don't know. I, I, that. I don't see something like that happening. Yeah, well, when you say esports to me, that kind of mean that tells me that you are trying to make a game, a competitive game, where people are going to play tournaments, people are going to try to make money. That's what it says to me. Like, if they, other than that, it's just a multiplayer game. Yeah. Like, they, I think there's a difference. You, you might be right. They might be considering any type of competitive multiplayer, uh, you know, esports, but that's not. Uh, maybe I'm just getting too old for this shit. Like that's definitely not esports. Like that's <laughs> that. It's definitely not esports. But you know, it's whatever. But yeah, I uh, I think making a multiplayer only game period is hard enough. 
Because when yes. you make a multiplayer only game, like you have to rely on people playing that shit from the start. Yes. You can make an awesome game, but people you know you can make an awesome game but people not play it and then the whole game dies. Like look at Brink. Like Brink was an awesome game. Had some trouble from the start. Lost people lost interest immediately. And then the game died. I I downloaded uh, Secret Ponchos for the PS4, which I was excited to play. I played that at PAX a few years ago. I've played two matches. I went to play the third match. It was an eight-player death match. We got seven people, never got the eighth person, and then slowly everybody left until it was just me waiting for the game. And then I finally I was like, okay, clearly nobody else is showing up, so I left. And I've not gone back in to play that yet. Oh, yeah, Secret Ponchos. And part of, and part and, and it's one of those things like well I mean I haven't played that game enough to really figure out how whether I like it or not because the two times that I played I sucked terribly but it's the first two times but you know I enjoy well I enjoyed that game at PAX or at least what it looked like back at PAX and I'd like to t- try it out again but there's really two things working against it one is that when I did try to play it nobody showed up to play with me which is which sucks and you know I'd I'd, I'd hope for the you know I'd, I'd hope that the game would draw a little better crowd maybe it was just to be fair i was playing at like two in the morning on a weeknight so there may not be the ideal time but the other problem too is that now when i get sit down for my ps4 i'm playing destiny yeah. and i'm not you know i'm not going to pull up secret ponchos at this point maybe i'll go back to it in the future but if i'm not finding people now you know in a month from now if i decide to go check it out who's, who's going to say that's there so and that bo- does not bode well for that game because dude that was a that was a playstation plus game man yeah that was a PlayStation Plus game. Like everybody got it for free, and people still aren't well, playing it. To, wow. Well, to be fair, to to be fair, well, well it, it's sort of a, a double-sided coin here. The game was made available in early December, so it's entirely possible people got it in early December, played it in early December, and kind of moved on. Which still isn't say it's not great for the game if that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and even then, it, you know, people, you know, with the number of people who have got consoles at the end of December, they still should have been playing at that point. So, I don't know. Maybe I, I, sh- I should. Give it another chance, and I'm I'm will. I don't. I haven't. It's not like I'm like. Oh well, I'm never playing this game again. It's not like I've uninstalled it. It's just one of those things. When I sit down at my PlayStation Four, I see it there, and I'm like, no, but let me go play Destiny. And that's, you know, to a degree, that's unfortunate. Yes, absolutely. But, but that's why Activision is making bank. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Well, I guess we'll get some more clarity at a later time. Uh, I don't think we will because we say that every time the GDC does happens. one of these yeah. surveys. <laughs> have the same complaints every time. So no, we won't get clarity. And it would be nice if the GDC kind of, um, well, I guess, I, I don't know, it would be nice if the GDC provided a little more context. Um, because, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Secret Ponchos is a perfect example. Like, that could, is would, could that be an eSport? It, it's I, a multiplayer I don't know. game. I, I've never played it. Like it broke my PS4 when I downloaded it, so I uninstalled it. That could, you know, and that could be maybe that's why nobody's playing it because everybody else <laughs> bricked their PS4. Or yeah, like I had a big problem with that game when I when I downloaded it. So no, I, I don't know. Like you'd have to tell me, can it be an eSport? <laughs> I would think it is. Could. I know it's, it's competitive. Much, so I mean, yeah, I mean it's as much, uh, you know, it's as much a competitive shooter as anything else. I mean, it's not. Not like Destiny necessarily, where you're watching. You know, it's not first person. You've got like a an isometric view, but yeah, I mean, it's it's if you understand what's happening, it's as in, as compelling as any other, you know, shoot, shooting style deathmatch. Yeah. So well, we'll see. Well, I don't know. Maybe someday I'll give it a try. If enough people play it, maybe I'll do it. But it doesn't look like that's gonna happen. All right, let's let's, let's go bring some of that topics. Let's see what's coming out. 
uh, anything good coming out soon. Um, I don't think so. Get Out of Hell. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Get Out of Hell and Dying Light, and that's it. Oh, and Metroid Tri Prime Trilogy coming out on the Wii U. If you have one of those, so. Yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. <laughs> Double Dragon Trilogy coming out to PC. That's it. We're, we are in that time of the year where, uh, yeah, nothing's really happening. Good time to catch up on that backlog, like I said last week. But yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash mash those buttons. We are on iTunes for your iOS devices. We are on uh, Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices if you want uh, to stream. Uh, we are available on Twitter.com slash MTB site. You can find us on Facebook.com slash smash those buttons and uh, YouTube.com slash smash those buttons. And as always, thank you for listening. We will catch you guys next week. Yeah, have a great week, everybody. 